The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. All right, so today we're gonna to be talking about glazes and kinda of how to get started on them if you're thinking about making your own. Most of you are buying glazes. Sooner or later you're gonna get curious about how the glazes are made and then you're gonna start finding recipes and making glazes. Yes. But we do wanna put a distinction in between making your own glazes and making glazes from a recipe. Is the difference in between like developing a glaze and making a glaze. Yes. You still say I make my own glaze, but that context is kinda of like, oh, I followed a recipe. But if you say, I develop my own glaze, that's a whole different thing. Yes, so just, for the purposes of our conversation, when we say making a glaze, yes. we mean making a glaze from a recipe, mm -hmm. not necessarily one that we have developed ourselves. Yes. If we say we have developed a glaze, we mean that we've basically, we have made the recipe. We have yes. created the ingredients list, the amounts, et cetera, et cetera. So for the purpose of clarifying in this conversation, that's the, right. we're starting with some basic vocabulary. Right, and for a, anyone who is like a glaze guru out there, just, there's always one person who's like, this recipe is really close to this recipe. I don't know every single recipe out there. I've developed maybe two or three glazes on mm -hmm. my own that turned out really well. But whenever I look on Glazy, there's a there's like a chart of all the glazes that are near my recipe. Mm -hmm. It's it's totally possible that you can have a recipe that is very close to or similar to a recipe that you yourself believe you developed. It's kind of like there's no such thing as an original thought argument. <laughs> you know, it's like s someone out there's thought about it. You probably just haven't heard it specifically from another source yet. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so you said you had a bit of an origin story with how you got started making your own glazes. Look, I, I don't want to turn it into a complaint section, but there's like a <laughs> there's like a group of people out there who are like these weird gatekeeping potters who like don't want to share information. They don't want to share their glaze recipes. They don't want to share anything. They're like, this is mine. I worked on it. F you kid. And as I got higher in the ceramic art community, I, I kind of made myself a promise to not not try and like, I don't want to say gatekeep because gatekeep is kind of like a, a moral high ground word where you like assume a position of morality above other people. Oh, you're doing something bad. You are gatekeeping. That makes you the bad person. But really, they worked all their lives to develop a glaze and so they have the right to their own work. Yeah, that, yeah. That's their work and I get that. But um, there's definitely a group of old school potters out there who just don't want to give you info regardless of whether it's their original content or not. Okay. And as I learned, wanted to learn how to make glazes, I met a lot of them on Facebook. Oh. A lot of them in like the Pottery Heads community and like the Mud Buddies community. They just didn't, they, and they all had conflicting information. Mm. So I was like, F it, I'm just gonna learn how to do it myself. And I ended up reading books and at Alpha Fired Arts, there was a giant wall of chemicals. Oh. I didn't know those were glaze chemicals. There is a wall inside the studio of pre-made chemicals and they took it down now. But when I had a subscription there, it was like a hundred and something dollars a month. You can use the chemicals and, and they told me one day, these are for glazes. You can make glazes with it. And I just started off with that. Oh. I found the recipe to Ron Roy's high gloss black. I put way too much water in it. <laughs> way too, it was like equal parts to grams. Oh my gosh, we, that is something that we should we should detail later. Is like oh. when we go into a little bit of like the basics of like how you do it. Yeah, we should talk about a specific gravity and how much water. Right. Yeah, I did. To be fair, and shameless plug here, I did do an episode on my YouTube channel of specific gravity and the difference in between what it can do for your glaze. Yes. Uh, yes. Shout out to Sue McLeod who helped out a lot Hell with that yeah. video. 
So yeah. So if, this this is just like a basic like okay, this is what specific gravity is. But if you want more detail, yes. go to go to your your YouTube channel, check out your video, and yes. check out uh, Sue McLeod's work as well. Sue was actually a guest speaker on the video. That's so cool. So she's on the video itself. Oh my god, I didn't actually know that. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. She she gives like a little class there. But any anyway, like long story short, a bunch of old ass potters pissed me off. <laughs> and told me to get good, so I got good. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Right? What about you? How'd you? I started making my glazes actually kind of under the tutelage of the studio technician at Sac City Ceramics. Or mm. Sac, Sac City Ceramics. Sacramento City College in their ceramics department. Right. Yeah, formerly so, known as Sac City Formerly, ceramics. yeah. Ba basically, basically. So, yeah. So, basically, I had been taking continuing education classes at Sac City for a while. Mm -hmm. And then after I ran out of all the classes that I could take. As you do. As, as you do. Yeah. I started assisting Mimi, the studio technician, with just stuff around the studio. And that's how I learned the basics of most of the behind the scenes, like technical side of ceramics. Like that's how I learned how to load a kiln, make glazes. So essentially what I did when I had my own studio at home, I basically just asked Mimi if I could use the glazes and have the glaze recipes from Sac City's glazes. Oh, that's tight. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, that's totally fine. Go right ahead. Oh, they gate kept the shit out of me at my school. Oh my God, really? Dude, well, all my all my glazes at the school were cone 10 reduction because I did that for four oh. years. So I was like, hey, what's the recipe to woo yellow? And they were like, it wouldn't help you anyway. Oh. And I was like, well, I want it so I could write it down in a book. Yeah. Also, there is a cone six woo yellow. There is. Yeah. They know there is. They, they just didn't give yeah. it to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, at, at Sac Cedar, the Mimi was like, yeah, like, here, go right ahead. And so, like, that's what I do is oftentimes if there are other ceramic artists who ask me, like, or who they'll just say, like, oh, I really love your your green glaze. I'll, yeah. I'll just say, like, yeah, I, it's a great glaze. If you want the recipe, let me know. Because I was given those recipes, right. so I feel like it's my responsibility to pass them on right. if people want it. So The potters that I talked to did not feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they were, like, get good. Get yeah. Good. Now, the, the biggest thing, though, I think, for, for if you're thinking about starting to make your own glazes, yeah. the biggest thing that I want to encourage folks to, like, acknowledge is that you don't have to know what all of the chemicals in the glaze do right. to make your own glaze. And the reason that I say that is because I used to think that, oh, like, I'm not a real potter, I'm not a real artist because I don't know. To this day, frankly, I still, there's so much that I don't know about glaze chemistry. Oh, forever a student. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been able to still build a business even not knowing all of the technical sides of how glaze chemistry works. So mm. just keep that in mind if you're feeling intimidated, like, oh, I can't start making my own glazes until I know all about glaze chemistry. It's like, right. no, it's fine. Like find recipes that work, especially if you've been working within a school environment because the benefit, like part of the reason I started doing that with my glazes right. is because I already knew all the glazes at Sac City, I already knew how they worked on my clay body. Right, and the combos and whatnot. Yes, yeah. yes. So it made sense for me to bring, I mean, again, I didn't bring all of them. I, I picked like four or five. That's still good. Yeah, yeah. And it was enough to get me going. So don't feel intimidated even if you don't know all the technical sides. Well, it's also it's also lineage, right? I'll say that. Where what do you mean? Well, I mean, like, you were trained at that school, or yeah. at least you helped that school, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that the way you were taught is the way that you would work further in your... So you have oh, the glazes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of like, you got passed down the glazes from those who taught you. Yeah. 
Yeah. That makes like complete sense. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason why I like a lot of Shinos or a lot of creamy, like Yoshio liked a lot of those kind of, or at least he, he made available to me a lot of those kinds of colors at school. Mm -hmm. So of course the way I was trained is the way I'm attracted to certain colors and combos. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That and makes sense. It's more, it's more of a, like if, you know, in a perfect, well, I can't say that, but like in, <laughs> in, in a, well, I'm going to say it in, in a perfect role. If I have a kid and they become like a ceramic artist, they're now going to have recipes that I have and have developed myself. Yeah. And that's just oh the lineage. Yeah. Right. That's so cool. And that's just the, and the, at least people that I've taught online who use my Lumos recipe yeah. or people that use my Lao Guy Green or people that use my Jeff Campana's mistake made by Jeff Campana, modified by me by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Happy little accident. Right. Exactly. I think I, I made a meme a long time ago where this guy kneeling next to a, a grave uh -huh. and it was his own grave, uh -huh. but it, it, it was like, me messing up a glaze recipe and it was like on the grave and then it was words on him and he was doing the peace sign he's like new glaze uh, <laughs> i think i remember saying that yeah it's so great it's a good one yeah. um but also as Lindsay was saying like it is far more intimidating than it is to just follow the recipe go to the store or go to a website get the the materials bring them home Weigh out the percentages per the grams, right? One gram equals 1% essentially. So if there's 35% EPK, Edgar Plastic Kalen, you put 35 grams in there. A batch, you multiply it by that. So it's like you want to make two batches, that's 35 times two, that's 70 grams of EPK. Yeah. Right there, right? So just put the recipe together. You don't have to know what everything is. Yes. And to a further note on like how to actually go about getting the materials, mm. When I purchased my glaze materials, the recipe was in grams, but when I purchased the materials, it was in pounds. So oh, I see. you yeah. will you will have to do like a con conversion. Here's a quick one, quick drug dealer one. <laughs> Every 400 grams is about a pound. Done. Okay. Done. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's all you need to remember. Yeah. Drug dealers know it. Now you do too. <laughs> yeah. It's very close. It's like 396 is like a pound. Mm -hmm. of material mm -hmm. and every material has a different volume and that vo like sometimes you get a giant bag of EPK that's five pounds sometimes you get a small bag of lithium that's like five pounds yeah so because things have different mass and yeah right yeah just remember so that if you're if you're thinking about putting together a few different glazes because for me like a big thing was like okay I didn't want to have a bunch of different glazes that all required a bunch of different materials, or right. at least when I'm thinking about adding a new glaze to my current, you know, collection, right. I'm like trying to figure out glazes that have like similar materials. Right. There are discounts like at Alpha, Alpha Fired Arts yeah. where I get my glaze materials. Right. It can sometimes be cheaper to buy like five pounds of something than it is like one pound of something. Oh so, yeah, so, oh God, yes. Yeah, so if you can find a couple different glaze recipes that have similar materials, it can be cheaper to like buy the larger amounts and then use that one material for two different glazes. And it, so if you're concerned about the price of things, that's something that you can do to help bring down the costs of initially beginning to make your own glazes. And it does it does depend on what the chemical is as well. You'll be, mm -hmm. You'll get more familiar with it over time. For example, like EPK, Frit 3134, Silica 325 mesh. 325 mesh is standard for most potters who make their own glazes. Those are things that you're going to need for like most recipes at Cone 56, mm -hmm. right? So you can buy a huge bag of those if you want to save money. You'll never need to buy them again. But like lithium, you don't need 10 pounds of oh lithium. Oh my God, lithium. How much would 10 pounds of lithium even be? That shit is so expensive. It would be Edward Elric. It would, uh, <laughs> it would take an arm and a leg. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Dante. Somebody got that? Oh, God. The other potters don't. The other, what are you oh, talking about? Oh, Jesus. If you don't, look up Full Metal Alchemist Edward Elric, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, and my apologies for, you know. Making for you when, cry. When you, when you find that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, lithium is super expensive. Lithium, and especially with like, so it was like shop talk. It wasn't real talk. But when I went to go buy it, they were just like, yeah, Elon Musk is making a new battery made of lithium. So the price of lithium went up. So I went to go buy lithium <gasps> and it went up fucking like 100%. What? Which is double its, its original price. Holy shit. And I was like, no, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but just understand that the supply and demand of the world of rare and precious metals does affect the price of your rare and precious metals. Yeah. EPK, silica, wallastonite, whiting, things of that nature aren't that rare, aren't that expensive. Cobalt, carbonate, and oxide, lithium oxide, dumbass expensive. <laughs> like, they're precious metals and they're hard to come by and they're hard to produce. Mm -hmm. Based on the world supply and demand of them, based on like what we're doing with them, sometimes they get a little bit more expensive. Yeah. That being said, don't let it put you off because I can make Ron Roy's high gloss black for two years off of like 80 bucks. It's not so expensive that buying eight bottles of glaze, which would maybe last you like six months if you're really producing, mm -hmm. maybe even four if you're like going at it, I can make that same exact glaze of, of black and same quality of black with my own recipe with like a fourth or half the money. Yes. Because every yes. bottle is like, what, $15? Something like that, depending on the depending on the price. Right, depending yeah. on where you go and whatnot. Yeah. And the nice thing too is that like in terms of the benefits of making your own glaze versus buying commercial oh, glazes, my God, yes. one of the big benefits for me in particular is that like I hate brushing on glazes. I hate brushing glazes. Yeah, it's so, it takes so much time. Like I want to be able to just like dunk the whole thing, yep. turn it upside down, yep. let it drip off and be done. Hear me out, hear me out. Person who's like, brushing glazes isn't so bad, listening to this right now. You don't know. <laughs> you have no idea how long, you know how long it takes. You have no idea the magic of getting tongs and just pouring on a glaze. <laughs> looking at it for five seconds while letting it dry and then putting it down and going, oh, I got like whole, 30 minutes of my life back <laughs> from just doing it this way. Yeah. We hate it. That being said. It's poison. That being said, if you like brushing on glazes. You're bad. No, you're not. You're, that's totally fine. And actually the nice thing. It's <laughs> not fine. You're bad. There are some benefits to brushing on glazes. No, there's but not. There are. <laughs> God damn it, Dante. You son of a bitch. It's all Stop. bad. Let me finish. It's downhill from there. <laughs> the benefits of brushing on glazes is that if you do want more like texture, if you want more layers, like visible layers to your glazes, brushing on glazes will get you that. If you dip your glazes, you know, it, it gives you a more even coat. Yeah, it, yeah. If that's what you want, great. If you want that texture, brush on the glazes or dip it and then brush it on. But anyway, point being. Yeah. If you do want to save time, you don't want to be always brushing on your glazes, that's one of the big benefits of making your own glazes is being able to dip the whole thing. Right, and <clears throat> here's the progression that I usually do whenever I test out glazes, right? Because no one's expecting you to make a huge five gallon bucket. What I usually do, when I first started, what I did anyway, and I still do this to this day, is I buy a pound of the material that I need to make a new glaze. Okay. If I'm looking to experiment or play with a new glaze, right? Why one pound? What do you mean, why one pound? Uh, one pound because I'm only gonna make a 300 gram batch but you may not need like a full pound for certain, for some of those materials. Well, I'm just gonna use them later. Oh yeah, okay. So okay. like, I'd much rather just buy a pound and pay like two or three bucks for silica 
for literally 400 grams of something uh, that I need for like what? I need like 170 something grams for this one batch. Gotcha. Okay. Which okay. I'm just going to use. You know what I mean? Like yeah. stockpiling silica EPK, the base chemicals doesn't really hurt. But if I'm buying a pound of cobalt, that I'm, I'm, I've still never bought cobalt to this day. And it's been like six years. I got some cobalt. It'll last you forever. You'll be very surprised. Cobalt's very strong. Yeah. What I'll usually do is I'll make a 300 gram batch just to make mm -hmm. sure there's enough to kind of swish around. Mm -hmm. I will sieve it. I'll talk to you about that later. It needs to be sieved. I used to shake the bottle around. It was crazy. Oh my God. I know. I was a monster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll test that glaze after weighing out the specific gravity and all that. I'll see how it comes out. And if I like it, then I'll make a bigger batch of it and start testing it on multiple clay bodies, start testing it on multiple combinations, see if it plays well in the gambit of glazes that I have already. Mm -hmm. And then if that goes well, I'll buy like a one or two gallon bucket, I see one behind you, yeah. um, from like Lowe's or something like that, or like any store that has these kind of painter's buckets, and then I'll make a bigger batch of it. And mm -hmm. as long as it does well on the market and on my website, I'll just keep making it and making it to a point where it becomes standard. Like I have a five gallon bucket of Randy's Red. It's just standard for me by this point. Yeah. That, that's the normal progression for me. So don't think that because we're telling you to make your own glazes and you see other potters like me or John or something like that with like five gallon buckets, you got to go out and make yourself a five gallon bucket. Just take a little tomato jar that used to have ragu in it or whatever and put the chemicals in there, wish it around with water, weigh out the gravity. It's usually in between 1.4. 1.4 and like 1.3 and 1.6 I think is what I normally see. Yeah, 1.4 is my usual and that's like kind of thickish to me yeah. is 1.4. One thing to keep in mind is that the smaller batch you're making, mm -hmm. the the better you want your scale to be. So like yes. if you're making a, a 100 or a 300 gram batch, if your scale only measures in whole grams. Yeah, that's an you, issue. Yeah, because you want to be able to measure like, let's say you need a glaze to have two grams of silica for whatever. If you have a scale that only measures in whole grams, you could have... 2.5 grams of silica and not know it. And, right. and in that small numbers, that difference will make a big difference in your in your test batch. I will. So okay. so have a so have a scale that can measure to like the tenth or the hundredth of a gram. The hundredth is usually where I go. Old school potters will tell you you need a triple beam scale, but triple beam scales, I know, right? I don't get why. I don't understand like, why they're so fixated with like these triple beam scales. I mean, I, know, I, it, I, it, I get why, but. It's not necessary. Yeah, it it's like in my mind, it's like, okay, so so when I actually learned how to make glazes, I measured everything out on a triple beam scale because that's just how we did it at the studio. Right. But to me, it's like, it takes so much time to like, cause it'll, you know, the, the beam will waver up and down a little bit. Whereas like, if you have a scale, it's like the number's right there. It's, it's, it's like measuring your weight on a scale, like a double beam scale, like in high school, you know, when they measure mm. and they hit the thing or the doctor's office, they hit the thing over. It's technically a tiny bit more accurate, but it, it's not, so much so that it would affect your glaze in such a great amount that like it matters. Yeah. You know? Also, a triple beam scale is probably going to be more expensive. It's dumbass expensive. That's insane. It's like old school ones are not only rare. They're mm -hmm. like somebody tried to sell me one for two hundred dollars. My scale that I have for my glazes was like 20, 30 bucks off Amazon. Perfect. Not that I'm like an Amazon simp. I'm just saying like, come on. <laughs> yeah. If, you know what I mean? Where like I get the I get the scale, put batteries in it. It's there. Batteries last forever, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then I end up putting the cup. I tear the cup off because I don't want the weight of the cup. And then yeah. I end up measuring and, my chemicals and that's it. And tearing, just so people know, it's when you hit like the... Like the, so, it zeroes out basically. It zeroes out. Yeah. Not not tearing as in ripping the cup. Don't tear the cup with your don't bare tear hands. The cup. <laughs> Calm down, Superwoman. Uh -huh. 
Okay, so any other benefits between making your own glazes versus buying commercial glazes that we want to talk about? I would say, at least for me, the way that I, I did it is that I bought the color black the most and clear mm. the most. Uh -huh. So I made it my goal for when I first started making glazes. I was like, well, I spend the most money on those two things. So I'm just going to go after the color black and the color clear. Mm -hmm. I got Ron Roy's high gloss black. Any Ron Roy recipe is usually a functional glaze. It always has like bentonite or some kind of deflocculant in it. Mm -hmm. It's usually food safe. When I say usually, it's because he's he's revised some of his glazes to make them more food safe. That's a whole thing we'll talk about on a later, the, later, Yeah, that's, that's a, for now... That's an in-depth thing. That, that's a very in-depth thing. Yeah. So for now, if you're concerned about like food safe versus not food safe, right. find recipes that are established yeah. and like well known like like randy's red like ron roy's Ron Roy's, yeah or or if you're really concerned about it go out and buy a book that has those recipes in them that say they're food safe that's true because for me like if i'm just following somebody's recipe on the internet and i don't know who they are yeah i'm gonna be like ooh, is this really food safe right or did you just you know so it's like go get your recipes from people who have authority and who have would have some stake right. in the game if their recipes are not food safe yeah if you're really curious go to digital fire org. Digital Fire has a section of food safety and glazes and they talk about crazing, pitting, vitrification, they talk mm -hmm. about glass, they talk like they talk about a bunch of different stuff. But yeah. each and every one of those things I just named is like its own one hour topic. Yes, of they, information. They they are my favorite resource yeah. for like if I'm like, what the heck does silica do? Or like what the you know, they have a lot of information. So if you are looking for in-depth information on glaze chemistry, yeah. Digital Fire is amazing. Digital Fire and Glazy are like the two most trusted sources for glaze chemistry that I know of. A lot of people wonder if their glazes are food safe. The long walk is that you're gonna have to do some testing, but you learn how to do that testing on Digital Fire. Yeah, and if you don't wanna worry about testing like me, because I don't wanna have to worry about testing, right. I just get glazes from resources that yeah. are that have authority and that I know are food safe. Yeah, like that's... all the glazes from Sac City that I have, yeah. which is 90% of what I use, right. all of those have been tested to make sure that they're food safe. And even if you buy commercial glazes, that like uh, here in California, we have a, but we have a little sticker on our bottles it's like, this is a food safe glaze. Like 95% of Amico's glazes are food safe. And yeah. the ones that aren't have a little X through them and this is not food safe. Yeah. But, oh, I got real cocky one time with the glit. Oh my, I started making, and then once I made Ron Rose High Gloss Black uh -huh. and I had a clear, I was like, I'm a god. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can make anything at it. So what I did, the worst stuff, right? I uh -huh. bought like, a, I was like, well, I don't want to make a clear right now. So I bought a clear from Amico off the shelf. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I want this to be blue adds cobalt to it, ah. makes it blue. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to work what out. What happened? It turned like crazy blue. Like I, I ended ah. up messing it up somehow. Mm. I wasn't good enough yet to understand. Mm. Which by the way, when you buy a glaze, uh, I'm just gonna use Amico as a standard, but mm -hmm. when you buy a glaze, it usually has this stuff in it called CMC gum, which, which is essentially a glaze thickener and it helps glazes stay in suspension for a longer time. But to me, as someone who makes glazes, it's pretty much a brush application thickener. Like if I took my Ron Rice High Gloss Black and I put like 2% of CMC gum in there, it's now a brush on glaze. 
it's so thick now. And because of that, a lot of the glazes that you buy in bottles are usually way thicker than ones that you would uh, mix yourself. Yeah. Ones that you have to mix yourself, you usually have to, every time you apply them, you have to mix them with a whisk or a power drill or something of that nature to make sure that all the chemicals go into the water as kind of a vehicle to your pottery. Mm -hmm. and, and that they're stay, evenly distributed. Exactly, you really wanna agitate them. They stay in suspension when you do that. But ones that you buy from a bottle, you can kind of just like shake for five seconds because the CMC gum ends up leaving them in suspension for so long, it's such a good job at it. Yeah, I hate CMC gum. <laughs> I hate it so much. I love CMC gum. I think it's great. I hate it so much I end up adding water to half of the glazes that I have mm. if they're store-bought glazes. Mm. Because I'm like, man, this glaze is really thick. <laughs> it's really difficult to apply. <laughs> I'm not brushing it on, that's for sure. Oh no, definitely not. I refuse. <laughs> I, I will use Amico's Saturation Gold. I will brush that on when I make my dragon egg mugs, but that's the only thing I'll brush on. There's, I mean, there's compromises. I yeah. have a little spray blower, because when I was at Alpha, they have a spray machine with a fan behind it, so it sucks out all like the harmful chemicals. And I sprayed my glazes for a long time, they came out fantastic. But in order to spray them, it, they were too thick, so when I put them inside the air pressure sprayer, I had to <laughs> add water to them and remix them Oh yeah. in order for them to spray. Yeah. That being said, they came out relatively the same color as on the bottle. Hmm. They just, like, I had to make them thinner so the air could carry it through the air to the, e yeah. you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I have to kind of do that for a lot of the glazes. It stretches them a little bit too. I feel bad because I feel like I'm telling you to add water to the, your store-bought glazes, but also, I mean, you can. I mean, I do. Yeah, the only, it's just, it's just careful about how much water you're adding. Yeah. Because that comes back to specific gravity, which is basically yes. like, oh yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you earlier, is like, how would you define what specific gravity is? Specific gravity is the amount of water that dilutes the amount of chemicals that are suspended inside of your glaze. That's all it is. Yeah. So it's the, your suspension, or at least your glaze, is the amount of chemicals floating in water. The more water you add, the less chemicals per volume are that are going to be floating in the sp in the space of your glaze. Yes. That's all that is, right? So if you apply it to a pot, you're going to have less of your glaze chemical being applied to any part of your pot. If you had a glaze with a lower specific gravity, which means more water in it, yes. then you would have to dip a pot two times, hypothetically, to get the same effect as if you had a glaze that had a higher specific gravity, let's say 1.6. Yes, that, that's a that's a fantastic example. Okay. I don't cool. know if it works that way. <laughs> yeah. But that is a great example because your technique, like if you have a specific gravity of one, which is essentially the gravity of water on earth, you're getting almost no glaze chemical on the pot itself because you do have to remember that the water is really just the transportation device for the glaze chemicals itself to get on the pot. Yeah. And then the water evaporates or dries into the bisqueware mm -hmm. and it's only left with the glaze chemicals themselves. Yes. The more water you have in there, the less glaze chemicals that are carried onto the pot. And that's basically, I. if you have, if you have a drink, you have Kool-Aid. Yeah. If, if you have Kool-Aid and you added 50 grams of water and 50 grams of the powder, this is gonna be some sweet Kool-Aid, right? But if you add 100 grams of water, okay, it's less sweet. Yeah. And then you keep adding water, it, you're diluting the Kool-Aid. It's the same thing with glaze. Mm -hmm. You're essentially just diluting the amount of glaze mineral that you're getting onto the body of your pot. That's such a great way. I like the Kool-Aid comparison. Yeah. I dig it, I dig it. The more water you add to anything that's floating in water, the more water there will be and just, Yes. There, there won't be less material, there'll just be less to go around. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay, I think I'm good. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've explained it three or four different ways. Hopefully one of those will stick. <laughs> oh, one of them will stick. Yeah.
What are some tips that we can give people who are thinking about starting a glaze, making their own glazes, but are maybe not sure like where to get started or some of the specific details? Mm. One example I can think of that I just shared, uh, well, by the time this episode comes out, it will be a little while longer, but um, I shared something about sieving glazes, mm. which is, so I didn't know what like mesh number I needed yeah. for my sieve to sieve my glazes, because basically what you do, you mix all, you, you combine your, your dry glaze materials, you add water, you mix it up a little bit, and then you sieve it to make sure that all the particles are, you know, broken up and evenly distributed. Mm -hmm. But so I, so for my sieve, I use a Laguna Lab Sieve 60 mesh. Right. So that's like an example of like, that's one little random thing that when I was starting to make glazes, I was like, oh shit, what like, what yeah. number sieve do I need? Is it gonna mess up the glazes? So I texted, or, you know, cause at that point I had Mimi's uh, phone number and I was like, Mimi, Mimi, what mesh, like, what mesh number do I need? And she's like, it's all good. Like yeah. just get it's 60, it's fine. Super important. You're yeah. fine, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I use a 40 mesh for my tester and then okay. I use 80 for my- For your, for the make, okay. But you can go up to 120. Oh dang! Yeah, it's okay. intricate. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So, so what are some other examples like that of little little things that will help people who are starting to make their own glazes at home? So, if you're starting to make your own glazes at home, here's here's what I here's like the shopping list that I want you to get. Right. I want you to get a recipe, and I want you to go out and buy all the materials for that recipe. Get like a pound of each material, unless it is the colorant. The colorant is anything that basically, well, most things. Most of the things that have the word like oxide or carbon afterwards, so mm -hmm. like cobalt, rare iron oxide. Uh, in the glaze recipe, they'll they're usually at the bottom of the recipe. Yes, and they're represented in terms of a percentage and not in a number of grams. Right. So that's the biggest way to identify like what the colorants are. Yeah, I, I mean personally, I put all of mine in percentages, but what I do is I put little dots next to the base of the glaze and then any of the colorants I put a plus sign mm. because the base of the glaze is 100% and anything that's a colorant is over 100%. So a lot of people will message me and go, how come this recipe is 103%? And I go, all oh, 3% okay. of that is probably the colors. Mm, okay. Because the rest of it is glass former, stabilizer, and flux. So other than getting the glaze minerals themselves mm -hmm. and a recipe, here's a, here's a little shopping list that I want you to kind of keep in mind. Go get yourself maybe a couple of cups that are sealable. I like to use reusable jars. That's what I first use, like glass jars, like, mm -hmm. like uh, spaghetti. Pasta jars. Pasta jars are perfect. Things that can be sealed, because if you leave them unsealed, the water will evaporate, it'll dry out over time, right? Mm -hmm. Get yourself maybe two or three of those as for one glaze, because you need two bottles for one glaze, because you're gonna sieve it back and forth through another bottle. You also need a gram scale. You can very easily get off Amazon. I suggest a pair of tongs and either a big or a small whisk along with what I call a sacrifice brush. It's a brush that you're just gonna use for whisking around your glazes. You can use whatever you want, but I find that a brush gets in the grooves a lot better. Mm -hmm. As for a whisk, it kind of stops because it's rounded off. Yes, and I actually use a spatula instead of a sacrifice brush. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You can use whatever, essentially. Not whatever, whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know but you, I mean. you want something that's when you need to get into the corners of whatever you're mixing. Right. Just make sure you have something that's going to get into those corners and completely mix everything up. Yeah, because your first time sitting back and forth, you're going to be like, there's a lot of chemical down there. You need to reach that chemical. Yeah. That, that needs to come out and be inside the water itself, inside the suspension. You're also going to need a sieve. You don't have to buy the ultra big ones that look like they can fit five gallon buckets. I have one from a company called Talisman that's a 40 mesh sieve. I suggest for your first one you get a 60 because after 60 you'll figure out like, oh, this needs to be meshed more. I need a higher mesh, like 80 or 120. Mm -hmm. But some of my glazes don't work at like 100 mesh. 
I have to put them through a 60 mesh. So I have a 60 yeah. and I have an 80. Yeah. Because some materials, like depending on what grind size you have for some yeah. materials, essentially that's the way, only way I can put it. They're that, granules. They're yeah, they're granules of material. So some of them, if if they are if they are too big to fit through like a super super fine mesh, then you'll want to get a lower mesh number, which is why we're saying sixty is kind of a good like middle ground to start. Sixty, yeah, sixty is definitely a good uh, a good starting point. Shout out to Sue McLeod right here. You're also going to want a graduated cylinder mm -hmm. so that you can measure the specific gravity. And that's pretty much all you need. You can also get a hydrometer if you're doing it your first time and you don't want to learn the equation for weighing out. You know, I, I did do a video on it. It'll explain it to you, but I prefer a graduated cylinder. They're also like 10 bucks on mm -hmm. Amazon, you know, like. The other benefit to having a graduated cylinder is that if you don't have your glaze in a container that's deep enough mm -hmm. for the hydrometer, you can't actually get a reading. Right. Because like the hydrometers are super long. Yeah. And so you would need like a super long thin tube, especially if you're just testing glazes. Yep. So I'd really recommend the graduated cylinder. I recommend it over the hydrometer method, but I always get like 10% of you nerds that are like, hydrometer works too. I mean, they both work. Yeah. But like, I have reasons why I prefer one over the other, to be honest. Functionally, when I craft my stuff, one is just more workable and gives me a more exact number. That's all. Yeah. And that's kind of it. That's kind of the shopping list. Okay. Oh, um, wear a mask. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. Yes. <laughs> and now y'all should have masks so oh you have no God. excuse. Have masks, have, what are they called, SIPA? FIFA? Uh, I can't remember. FIFA 2021? FIFA. Yes, definitely. There's a, there's a mask that has a filter in it that filters out dust particulates. Yes. Wear that while you are putting your glazes together. Yes. And also, if by any chance, you don't want to invest in like the really nice ones with like the yep. like because the 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 really proper masks can be kind yeah, of expensive. But if you if honestly if you have like a mask that you wore during COVID and yeah. it, and it feel forms a decent seal, that's better than nothing. And what I will do because I don't have one of the really fancy masks, mm -hmm. which I should because I make glazes a couple times a year. But what I do is I have my studio doors open. Yes. And as I'm making glazes, I have a fan sitting in front. Yes. So, so I have my mask on, I have the fan on. And so any materials that kind of plume out into the air get pushed outside. I do the same thing. Yeah. If also you're, again, you know, you don't have your own studio or anything like that, just mix the glazes outside and wear a mask. By the way, if you drink protein shake, you know, a little scooper inside the protein shake, that is amazing. It's perfect. Oh yeah. It's perfect for glaze chemicals. Yes. Every time you finish a bucket, you have an extra scooper for glaze chemicals. Make sure you have proper air circulation going on whenever you're putting these glazes together. Mm -hmm. Don't stand too close. Babies, animals, please out, out, of, <laughs> out of the room. Yes, yes. Um, it's also a great excuse to get people out of your space. You're like, I'm putting glazes together right now. You can't come in here. It's too yeah. dangerous without a mask. Yeah. One other thing that I did want to talk about is, this is kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about the way that the uh, glaze recipes are structured. Mm -hmm. That threw me off hella bad the first time that I started making glazes. I was like, why are some of these things in grams and some of these things in percentages? Right. So if you're not sure how much of like, let's say like, okay, so I'm looking at my recipe for weathered bronze, which is my green glaze. And at the bottom it says, you know, titanium dioxide, copper carbonate, bentonite, and Epsom salt. And all those numbers are in percentages. So basically to figure out how much you need for a hundred gram recipe, you're basically 5% is five grams. Right. For a, if you wanted to scale that up to a 7,000 gram batch, which is what I use for my five gallon bucket. So a 7,000 gram recipe fits in a five gallon bucket. Right. Then that percentage, it's basically five times 70 because 
100 times 70 is 7,000. So that means my titanium dioxide at 5% for a 7,000 gram batch is 350 grams. Right, it's it's honestly just because 1% is equivalent to one gram in a recipe, so whether you see grams or percentages, they're interchangeable, you honestly just multiply the amount of grams or percentage that you want times the batch. So if I wanna make five batches, which is basically 500 grams worth of a, material, uh, a glaze, mm -hmm. I would just multiply all those numbers by five and that'll give me the number of what I need total in grams. Yeah. So like, as you were saying, like 5%, I wanna make five batches, so that's five times five. I'm gonna need 25 grams of whatever that chemical is. Yes, which would be, if you wanted to make five 100 gram batches, the basically it'd be 25 grams of titanium dioxide for a 500 gram batch. Yes. Which is five of one batch. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, it's okay. honestly just multiplications, like, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. You just have to get, you just have to get the percentages will throw you off if you're not used to seeing it. Yeah, which is me. <laughs> it was me too, for sure. My yeah. girlfriend, wife, wife, girlfriend, owner had to, had to explain it to me. Honestly, she, I was like, why are these percentages? She goes, well, the percent of one is one gram since you're measuring stuff out in grams, right? And a hundred percent is what you're going to. I said, yeah. She goes, okay, so if it's one percent, that's one gram. So how many batches are you making? I said five. She goes, okay, it's five grams. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> so now I put my stuff in percentages, but realistically speaking, whenever I'm putting a batch together, I get my calculator out and I go, okay, I'm making 20 batches. There's 20% of this. That's uh, 20 times 20. Okay, that's how much grams I'm gonna put in this batch. Mm -hmm. But for when you're first starting, when you're making it into a jar, I suggest making a 300 gram batch, Yeah. which is just whatever number you see on the recipe, times three, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. How much water about oh, would man. you say you add for a 300 gram batch? Because if folks are like kind of just getting started and they're like not sure how much water to actually add. Yeah. Cause like, so for me, for a 7,000 gram recipe, mm -hmm. usually is about five to six liters of water or five, yeah. about five to six quarts of water for a 7,000 gram batch. I'll, I'll usually add like four quarts of water to the dry glaze and then I add water as I go along because I need water to like clink, yeah, to sieve, yeah. to like clean out the bucket and I get all the too. materials, yeah. So start on a lower amount, but for me, 7,000 gram batch is gonna be about five to six quarts of water total. So for a 300 gram batch, a tester batch, about how much water do you use? It's like a cup and a half. Cup and a half, okay. I usually add a cup and I'll mix it around and then um, as I go through the process, pot, just like she said, right, little potter tip, as you sieve your stuff, you add water a little by little so you don't oversaturate it, of course, but it helps it get through the sieve and it yeah. helps it mesh around and whatnot. It helps mm -hmm. it mix around. So I start with like a cup and then I end up adding like a half cup throughout the process. Mm -hmm. And even when I mesh my stuff back and forth through jars, uh -huh. there's a little bit of chemical left in the jar that I'm not holding the glaze in. Right. So I get like the tiniest bit of water, like a little spit of water, mix it around, put it back in the other one. Yeah, yeah. It's if, kind of like if you're cooking and you have like a can of tomato sauce and you empty the can of tomato sauce into your right. thing, and but you want to get that little bit of extra sauce out, you just put a little bit of water, swish the sauce around and put it the, That's exactly the how it's basically it is. what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And it's, I don't weigh my stuff in milliliters anymore. I know lots of uh, glaze recipes on glazy.org will tell you like this glaze needs 500 milliliters of XYZ. I do mine by specific gravity. So I literally just keep adding water or taking water, letting water evaporate essentially until um, I get the right amount of specific gravity that I want, which is usually in between three, uh, 1.3 and 1.6, depending on the glazes. Yeah. 
Right. And and to do just again, there's there's a bunch of different tutorials, including Dante and yeah. Sue's tutorial on how to get specific gravity. But just in case you're listening and you're like, okay, but like, how does it work? Essentially, what you do is you you add glaze into the graduated cylinder. I my graduated cylinder goes to 100 milliliters. Mm. So I just fill it up to 100 milliliters. You want the the unit of measurement on your scale to be in grams. Yes. So you basically divide the grams by the milliliters. And it'll give you a number and that's your gravity. And an example of that would be like, for most of my glazes, the specific gravity is like 1.45. Yeah. So, or if I have my graduated cylinder filled up to 100 milliliters, the scale reads as 145. Yes. And then by when you divide it, it's 1.45. Yeah. Well, er, the specific gravity is 1.45. Glaze and glaze chemistry is such a huge topic. We would literally be here for like days if Five we tried to cover it all. Yeah. So for an introductory sort of episode, is there anything else you can think of that we should add? Not, not really. I think this, this episode kind of concludes or at least wraps up into like, don't be afraid. Just try it out. You might have to buy a little bit of equipment. I know mm -hmm. not everyone can do that. Not everyone's in a financially safe place, but like if you have the time and money, it's literally like following a recipe to making your own food at home versus buying food. Yes. You can control the you can control a lot more stuff when you're making your own food. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot e cheaper. Because even if you don't want to be controlling, like even if you don't want to be tweaking the glaze recipe that you have, right. the amount of money that you will save making your own glazes is, it, that in and of itself is, is worth it for me. Especially you have like a favorite glaze that you use a lot. Like yeah. you said, you used a lot of clear and a lot of black. So... That was a big, a good money saver for you. What most potters do is they'll they'll find or or make or develop whatever a base glaze, and once they have a good base glaze, like a good clear that they like that mm -hmm. that has a certain amount of opacity to it, they'll just end up adding colorants and testing that. So they're yeah. like, oh, I need a blue. I'll just take the base of my clear glaze and add one percent cobalt to it. Oh, I need a green. Okay, one percent copper. Oh, mm -hmm. I need something a little bit brown. Oh, one percent of red iron oxide. And yeah. they'll keep doing that. So all their glazes, all their glazes are basically the same base with just different colors, mason stains, oxides, carbonates in them. Mm -hmm. So that they all play very well together, but they're not, they all melt the same. They're not different really. I was super intimidated when I first did it. Yeah. And then I did it and I was like, oh, this is easy. Mm. Easy peasy lemon, a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like, it's true. Like if you can make a batch of chocolate chip cookies, you can make a glaze. Yeah. If you can cook your own food. Well, I shouldn't say that because one of you nerds can be like, I can't cook. If you can use a scale yep. and add water to stuff, you can make glazes. And the nice thing is too, there's so many resources out there. And so even if many. you're just like- I'm one of them. Yeah, you are, the Dante is literally one of them. Like wherever you buy your glaze materials, especially if you're like able to, if you have a, a, a ceramic supply store that you can go to in person, as, you know, then just ask them, yep. you know? And then and then send Dante and I a message and then we'll, we'll help you too, <laughs> as I'll much as we can. I'll usually help you out as long as you don't take like a huge, 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 like don't message me every single day for the next month asking me questions in your head because there's a lot of you that I have to answer questions to but if you have a simple question or if you have you want to like a little bit of help with a problem like Twitter Instagram yeah I'd say my website but I don't think you can message me on my website I don't think so no I had to take my email off because some of them got extra mm. yeah they start to get extra with the email address yeah I take that away mm -hmm. so what you get for messing around that's what they get you didn't run up with a plan I'm sorry yeah, they did no. not they did not mm -mm. all right I'll probably fit out on <laughs> <laughs>
You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com. And on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook at Lindsay M. Dillon. And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. But you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name at Earth Nation Ceramics. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review The Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again and we'll catch you next time.